This is True Self, a podcast about seeking to know who we really are using the language of astrology. I'm Laura Sweat. If you know anything about astrology meme culture, you know that Gemini is one of the most maligned signs on the internet. It catches a lot of grief, and most of that has to do with the perception that Gemini is casual with the truth or duplicitous, two-faced. And like all astrology memes, there is the whiff of truth in that characterization, and it is so oversimplified that it doesn't allow us to get to the deep gifts of the sign, the wisdom of the sign. And so I was looking at the upcoming astrology of this year, and we have a ton to learn about Gemini. We have an eclipse cycle starting in Gemini and Sagittarius in June, and that's very important for sort of the world's growth at this time. And we also have a Venus retrograde coming up in Gemini in a few weeks. Those are a little more rare than some other retrogrades. They usually point to some really important lessons. So when I saw how important Gemini was going to be this year, I thought I have to be able to talk about how we access the wisdom of Gemini. And it turns out that that is just a really mind-bending subject because it has to do with how we make meaning and how all meaning that a human being makes is basically abstraction. And that is just a really hard subject to cover. But we're going to cover it because we need to. And because ultimately, if we can get through this, if we can access the wisdom of Gemini by understanding that all meaning making is abstraction, if we can do that, then we can get to some really good stuff. And so I'm going to try and I might fail, but I'll know that I tried and that is the goal. So today on the podcast, we're talking about the word-loving, meaning-making, communicative sign of Gemini. We'll ask how pulling something apart helps us to understand the truth of it, and why sometimes we can only understand the truth through an untruth. And we'll talk about why, now more than ever, we need to understand the gifts Gemini brings us and the wisdom we can find in it. Plus, I'll help you understand how the sign of Gemini characterizes your own life and how the Gemini astrological events coming up are going to affect you personally. Meaning, metaphor, wisdom, and truth through the looking glass of Gemini. This week on True Self. So the first thing we have to understand about Gemini is that it is ruled by the planet Mercury. So I've referred to this lightly in the past episodes, planetary rulership, but I want to be a little more explicit about it in this episode. The planets in astrology, the planetary deities, they represent aspects of self, almost like internal characters that we carry around within us. So in previous episodes of this series, we've talked about Aries and Libra and Taurus and Scorpio, and those signs are ruled by Venus, that's Libra and Taurus, and Mars, Aries and Scorpio. In traditional astrology, they are. 
So Venus represents our capacity for pleasure. She's that internal character within us, our desire to experience pleasure. And Mars represents our self-protection instinct. And when you think about those two aspects of self, they're very elemental, very basic. Self-protection and pleasure are basically what we talk about when we talk about our reptilian brain, like just our baseline instincts. When we get to Mercury, we're talking about our ability to make meaning. So we're out of the reptilian brain, out of the amygdala, and we're into the frontal cortex. Making meaning is part of what makes us human. And it is complex. We as human beings do not perceive anything about our world in its straight, totally true form. We are constantly abstracting reality not only through things like language, right? Language is an abstraction, but also through our very senses. We don't perceive the true nature of the universe around us. We get these abstractions and concepts through our senses that help us to survive, but that don't actually represent what's going on. For example, when you see an object, What's actually happening is that light is being reflected off of that object, uh, delivered to your eye, which is translating it into a signal for your brain so that you can come up with an idea of what that object is. That's an abstraction. And then when you consider the fact that all of the things that you can perceive at all make up about 5% of the universe... And that, you know, subatomic particles are constantly flashing in and out of existence all around you. Like, you're not looking around in the world and seeing it as it is. You're perceiving a lot of abstracted things that tell you something you can make meaning out of, that give you a way to make meaning, but don't have to do with reality. At least not very much. (laughs) So... When we come back to this capacity that Mercury has of making meaning, we find that our ability to make meaning and communicate meaning with other people, that capacity that we find in Gemini, is also our capacity to lie. This ability to make meaning is like a dangerous power, and it can work in a lot of different ways. So we're in this strange situation of being creatures within a reality that we cannot comprehend directly. We have to come at it sideways to understand it. We have to use metaphor. We have to compare things to other things to understand it. And Mercury gives us that capacity, and it's, it allows us to come close to the truth And it also allows us to travel far away from the truth. We can really do anything with this capacity. So one thing I like to think about when it comes to what Gemini does in organizing information for us and making it interesting, I like to think about having been a journalism major in college. Now, if you've ever written a story in a journalistic style, written a story from interviews, you know that when you start the process... You don't have a narrative. You have a bunch of bullet points from interviews. You interviewed a couple people. You have highlighted the things that they said that you think are the most important. 
you have some research that you've done and you've highlighted the most important stuff from that. And now you have to put it together into some kind of format or structure. Now, in journalism school, you learn that objectivity is super important and that you have to value it and you have to try to be as objective as possible. But what you quickly discover when you are trying to turn a list of bullet points into a story is that there is literally no way to remove your perspective from that story at all. It is impossible. Even if you're trying not to express opinion, at a minimum, you are choosing what you think is important to go into that story. Plus, you're the person who asked all the questions in the first place. Plus, you're going to decide what order things go in, uh, what's most important to least important. You're going to put the most important stuff up top. It's just you end up all over a story, even when you desperately want to be objective. I know this because I was obsessed with ethics in college and just drove myself completely insane trying to write very basic, boring, journalistic stories. So what Gemini does is it comes into that massive information, just a bunch of bullet points and questions you ask people. And it says, what is actually going to engage people? What's going to make them interested in this information? And how do we put it together in a way that engages so that people will actually absorb the information? Now, maybe you think, like I did, that the only way to really do this ethically to share this information with people ethically is to just give them your notes and show them what you highlighted, but then be like, yeah, but you can look at the rest of it though. And then in that way, you get to an objective concept of what actually happened during the research for the story. But the problem is nobody would read that. Like no one would read it. It would be too overwhelming and too strange. It wouldn't have an order to it. It wouldn't be comprehensible. And if somebody had the capacity to read even one story like that a day that was just bullet points of stuff that came from the process, they would be a very committed person. It's the fact that journalists sit down and decide what is important for us to know that allows us to consume a lot of information. And if they didn't do that, we wouldn't really have the ability to receive all of the information that we receive during a day. But obviously, there's a dark side to this. And the dark side is that the people in charge of making news are deciding what's it, what is important for us to know. And there are media groups that are as committed as it is possible to be to giving us information in as objective a way as they know how to. And there are media organizations that are committed to delivering information to us that is as advantageous to them as they can possibly make it, right? Um, there's a real spectrum of interests and uh, values and value systems in media. And what those people decide who are deciding what we need to know affects what we think about what's happening in the world. So one last thing about Mercury, he's the god of magic. Um, you will hear me refer in this series to hermeticism. In fact, 
I refer to hermeticism all the time. It is the tradition from which the type of Western astrology that I practice is descended. And it's about magic. Hermeticism is magic and Hermes owns it. Basically, magic is the power to create meaning, especially when you can manipulate meaning for other people, right? And so this, I think, kind of gets to the heart of why Gemini is a difficult sign for so many of us, perhaps even those of us who have a lot of Gemini, which is that there's incredible power in this capacity to find what is most interesting to people and to create meaning that you share with people, right? Ultimately, if an individual creates meaning that is compelling to others, whether it is quote unquote true or not, if that meaning is compelling and interesting and entertaining, it can spread like wildfire through humanity and it can become a tool of of control, a way to affect just everything that's going on with people. And so this is really heady power, the power to create meaning. And it's worth considering how we communicate with each other ethically. We can have this really sort of obsessive focus on truth telling. I'm guilty of that very frequently. Um, And it can make us super boring and confusing, right? And so there's definitely something to be said for if you're trying to just give people the bullet points of your story, and someone else is giving them a compelling narrative, people are going to listen to the person who has the compelling narrative. So are you really being that ethical in presenting your information in such a boring way when it can't compete with the other person's entertaining story that is actually destructive? Good questions. Okay, let's talk about how Gemini shows up in our personality a little more explicitly. So you might know that Gemini is represented by the twins and that that is an implication of the duality of the sign. One thing you might not have thought about is the fact that Gemini's sister sign, Sagittarius, which represents its perfect complement and opposite, also represents duality in a different way. Whereas Gemini is apparently one physical being split into two, Sagittarius is two separate beings squashed together. It's a centaur. It's half human, half horse. And so Gemini represents the way that we pull things apart to understand them. And Sagittarius represents the way that we put things back together again in a new form to create a whole truth. This axis, the Gemini-Sagittarius axis, is about making meaning, uncovering truth, and being able to share that truth with others. So one of the reasons I am making this podcast is that I'm a Sagittarius with five planets in Sagittarius and my south node in Sagittarius. The south node represents where we have just too much karmic weight. We are like bringing too much of that into this lifetime. It's incredibly obvious in my chart. 
And my north node is in Gemini. It's the only thing I have in Gemini. And the north node represents what we need to stretch ourselves toward and develop more of to become balanced. And so I am making a podcast about all of the things that I think in my brain because I'm trying to develop the capacity to make those things interesting to other people, to start to communicate meaning to others. But I have a real Sagittarius, truth-obsessed bent to me that wants to just give people bullet points and be like, you figure it out, because that tends to feel more honest to me. As I develop toward my Gemini qualities, what I start to understand is that it's not, especially for me, it's not really a, a morally superior position to take that I'm just going to tell people information in a way that they can't care about <laughs> because it doesn't really matter. If nobody listens to me, does it matter that I'm saying anything in the first place? So to reiterate, Gemini and Sagittarius are about making meaning learning about the truth, and sharing it with other people. In Gemini, we split things apart to understand them in pieces, and in Sagittarius, we pull things back together into a whole truth. So they function together. Sagittarius is the more self-serious part of this axis. Gemini is the lighter, more fun-loving part of this axis. And when I think about that, I think about the fact that Gemini is a connective sign. As an air sign, it wants to connect to other people. So it cares about what other people care about. And Sagittarius is a fire sign, which is an individualistic sign. It cares about what it cares about. It doesn't really care about what other people care about. And they function together, obviously, but the connective quality of Gemini makes it care about entertainment. And there's this other thing I want to try to get at. I wonder if I'm going to be able to, to describe it. But as we talk about making meaning and communicating in metaphor and knowing that we have to come at the truth sideways, the lightness of Gemini is part of the need to be casual as you kind of circle around and try to get to the truth, knowing that you can never quite get there, right? Sagittarius thinks that it can get to the absolute truth and that's its motivation and it needs that motivation and and God bless Sagittarius. But Gemini knows that absolute truth is just kind of a game. It's not really something you can get to. And that's why there's a lot of humor in Gemini. There's fun in Gemini. There's wordplay in Gemini. There's all kinds of games in Gemini. Because if we want to get to something like the truth, we need to have a sense of humor about it. A Gemini person has a lot of the mercurial qualities we talked about earlier in the episode. They're funny. They're clever. They are good with words. They're often uh, musical as well. We haven't talked about that to this point, but because Gemini makes meaning, music is one way that you can make meaning. It's not just words. Music is also a powerful way to create meaning. And it also has a lot of that uh, 
hermetic magic and ability to influence people's states of mind and moods, if you think about it that way. So let's go ahead and shift to how Gemini characterizes uh, part of your own life using your birth chart. And also we'll talk about how the upcoming astrological events in Gemini are going to affect you. If you want a worksheet to help you track this, there is a worksheet on my website. Go to 8th.house, that's numeral 8th.house to find it. There's two upcoming astrological events that I'm going to talk about in this section as I go through how the sign of Gemini characterizes your own birth chart. They are the Venus retrograde coming up in Gemini starting on May 12th and the eclipse cycle we have starting in Gemini and Sagittarius starting on June 5th. The Venus retrograde will last just a month or so. (laughs) Um, I'll check the exact dates on that. But the eclipse cycle will last for two and a half years, as eclipse cycles do. Eclipse cycles show us kind of the gateways to change that are opening in the world at large. So as we shift from the Cancer Capricorn eclipse cycle to the Gemini Sagittarius eclipse cycle, We're moving from this global focus on how to take care, how to care for ourselves, and how to have discipline, and we're shifting into a global focus on meaning and meaning-making. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. That actually kind of scares me right now because we're in a global crisis, and when you look at the darkest manifestations of Gemini and Sagittarius. In Sagittarius, you see like zealotry, like religious zealotry, this obsession with truth making uh, that can make us very rigid and that it can be a very frightening impulse. And then as we talked about earlier in the episode, the darker manifestations of Gemini can be the manipulation of information to create a meaning uh, that allows you to sort of establish control over other people by making it entertaining and interesting. So that being said, I'm not as worried about the darker manifestation of Gemini in this upcoming eclipse cycle because the North Node will be in Gemini. Eclipses happen on the nodes, as I talked about earlier with my own South Node in Sagittarius, North Node in Gemini. It implies that the world is being asked to stretch toward Gemini themes and to maybe let some of the Sagittarius themes rest a bit. And so the obsession with absolute truth is likely to emerge during this eclipse cycle as something we got to let go of. And the ability to communicate in a compelling way with each other is going to emerge as the thing we need to stretch ourselves toward. So those are the things we're going to be talking about when it comes to your own chart and what will be unfolding in it over the next few years in the Gemini part of your chart. In the short term, we have this Venus retrograde in Gemini, which is going to be happening at the same time as the eclipse, kind of highlighting the importance of the eclipse. And so this summer in particular, we're all going to be experiencing this major review of the Gemini themes in our lives. 
So those are the two things we're going to be talking about as we go through the sign readings. You can follow this section for your rising sign or your sun sign. If you know your rising sign, that's always my recommendation. But if you don't know it, feel free to listen for your sun sign or for any other sign you would like to listen to. If you're Gemini or Gemini rising, Gemini characterizes your first house. This is your house of identity, your relationship to your sense of self. A Gemini or Gemini rising is probably perceived as smart, first and foremost, clever, sharp, good with words. Of all the signs, I think Gemini is most likely to be called smart. I think that might be kind of annoying to Virgo, which is the other Mercury ruled sign. But Gemini is more sort of ostentatious and out there with its intellect. And so it's most frequently perceived as clever or intelligent. And so when Gemini is characterizing your sense of identity and your sense of self, there is a duality to how you perceive yourself. A lot of people experience this as a kind of I'm this person and I'm that person, a lack of unity in the self-concept. I think this can be sort of like when you're looking at something and you close one eye and you see it from just one eye and then you close the other eye and you see it from the other eye, it's kind of like a Gemini is doing that all the time in the way that they see themselves. Uh, There's a thing that Geminis will do where like they have two friends who are in a conflict and they'll talk to one friend and they'll be like, yeah, you're totally right because of A, B, and C. And then they talk to another friend and they're like, you're totally right because of A, B, and C. And that's part of what can get Gemini this reputation for being duplicitous. But it really is that um, function of like closing one eye and looking at it from just one eye and then closing the other eye and looking at it from the other eye. When they're talking to both friends, they're being honest, but they're only talking from one side of themselves. That's the sort of function of Gemini duplicity. And obviously not all Geminis do that, but it is something that Geminis can be prone to. So when we're talking about Gemini characterizing the first house of identity, we're talking about the ability to make meaning emerging in the identity. So everything we've talked about in this episode about making meaning applies there. It's this mysterious place where you decide what is important and what you're going to share with others. You decide what's entertaining, what people can react to, and that can be a power that you use to great good, and it can be a power that you use to great evil, um, depending on how you're resonating with it. The upcoming Gemini transits, the Venus retrograde, and the eclipse cycle that we're starting are going to be happening in your first house of identity. And when it comes to the eclipse cycle, they're going to be setting off your identity as well as your partnerships. These are changes that are going to open up in your life over the next many years in those two places um, that are going to be very critical and very important. When you're thinking about the Venus retrograde coming up in May, expect to be 
having a renewed relationship with your sense of self and who you are as that starts. And then when the eclipse comes in on June 5th, you're going to get some sense of how that relates to the people you're closest to and your closest relationships. And then over the next several years, that interaction of identity and your closest relationships is going to unfold and it's going to lead to a big change in your life. If you're a Taurus or a Taurus rising, Gemini characterizes your second house of self-worth and value. This can mean that in the Taurus character, it's important to the sense of self-worth to be able to express yourself and to have people understand you. One of the things about the fact that uh, contiguous signs are often very different from each other is that our first house represents where we identify and our second house represents how we get our sense of self-worth and value and our second house is often pretty different in character from our first house. So you've got the Taurus identity of steady, stable, chill, and pleasure-oriented and you have this sense of self-worth that's focused on being able to express yourself and being able to share the meaning you find with other people and often that is actually pretty challenging for Taurus, as all second houses um, are going to be. For Taurus and Taurus rising, the upcoming Venus retrograde in Gemini has little extra importance because you are Venus ruled as a, a Venus ruled rising sign. And so Venus retrogrades carry an extra oomph for you. And that means that you're going to have this major focus brought to your sense of worth and value, maybe even to the way that you make money and the way that you've built something for yourself. So that's the big upcoming May and June uh, review that's going to be happening. Additionally, the eclipse cycle that is opening up on June 5th in Gemini and Sagittarius is going to be hitting your second house of self-worth and value and money, and then your eighth house of birth, death, and transformation. Um, So this eclipse cycle is likely to bring some big shifts in the way Taurus regards resources and also in the way it values itself. And it's going to be a pretty major kind of life-altering change that's occurring in that eighth house birth, death, and transformation area. If you're an Aries or Aries rising, Gemini characterizes your third house of day-to-day communication and travel. That means that chattiness, meaning making, and making sure you can communicate with others for you emerge in the area of your day-to-day communications, the people you're talking to every day, and the little um, circles you're traveling in, the places that you go to on a day-to-day basis. Again, very self-explanatory. Aries, if you're getting bored as I go through these signs characterizing these houses, I really apologize. You have the most straightforward chart where the signs match up with the houses. And so sometimes it's it's maybe not that interesting to explain, but that's that's the part of life that Gemini characterizes for you, your daily communication. 
the upcoming Venus retrograde is going to bring attention to the way that you communicate with people on a day-to-day basis. It's going to bring a lot of review to that, um, allow you to really consider how you set up your daily communication, which does feel especially relevant at this moment in time. A lot of the time when I describe the cadent houses, which are the third, the sixth, uh, the ninth, and the twelfth, I feel a little strange because cadent houses are sort of hidden from our view. They're the least uh, obvious to us. And so I worry when I describe a cadent house that somebody is going to be like, I don't know, I don't really get it because that's kind of how we feel about our cadent houses. But it's funny how in this moment in time when we're all all of our communication modes have shifted, those cadent houses are becoming so much more um, focused on and important. And so even though typically I would say an eclipse occurring in your, an eclipse cycle occurring in your third and ninth houses maybe wouldn't be as substantial, uh, at this moment in time, having your daily communication affected, and then in the ninth house, having the way that you grow and expand and travel affected, that is actually feeling pretty relevant and interesting. So I feel like the eclipse cycle will bring some interesting things to our cardinal signs like Aries. If you're a Pisces or a Pisces rising, Gemini characterizes your fourth house of home, origins, and family. This can mean for a Pisces that early experiences in childhood had to do with uh, a kind of duplicity. So I'm imagining experiencing the parents as one way in one situation and one way in another situation, Um, maybe very social, but perhaps not genuine with the child themselves. So in adulthood for a Pisces, this can manifest as having that sense, a deep sense of meaning emerging in our home and in our sense of our roots and where we come from, right? But also like some conflict in how we understand that and some duality, right? We experience that sense of splitting and duality in our Gemini house. For Pisces and Pisces rising, the upcoming transits in Gemini are pretty important. Our fourth house is where the Venus retrograde in Gemini will happen coming up in May and June. And so there will be some kind of review of home and family that's getting initiated during this time. And then when the eclipse cycle starts on June 5th in Gemini and Sagittarius, that will set off Pisces' fourth house of home, roots, and family, and also Pisces' 10th house of career and reputation. And so we see some real shifts in how Pisces regards where it comes from and how it thinks about that, and also in how it's showing up in the world and the way that its career plays out. If you're an Aquarius or an Aquarius rising, Gemini characterizes your fifth house of creativity, fun, sexuality, and children, which are all related. So for Aquarius, this means that 
creativity is really defined by the ability to make meaning. That makes a lot of sense when you consider the Aquarius character, the airy character of Aquarius. It has fun. It enjoys itself. It creates in this place of being able to make meaning and play with meaning. With the upcoming Venus retrograde happening in this house, you might expect that something about the way that you create the creative projects that you undertake will come under review and you'll be thinking about your own creativity. I would not be surprised if Venus in the fifth house also affected something about sexuality and you were reviewing and kind of going over something about uh, your sexuality during this time. As we come up on the eclipse cycle, you'll have your fifth house of creativity, sexuality, fun, um, affected. That's Gemini. And also your 11th house of your social circle and community affected. That is Sagittarius for you. And so you'll have this series of changes occurring over the next few years in the way that you create and express yourself as an individual and also in the way that you show up in a social social circle or a group. So possible changes in the kind of social circle that you're involved in over the next few years. If you are a Capricorn or a Capricorn rising, Gemini characterizes your sixth house, which tells us about the daily habits we have that end up contributing to our overall health, like exercising, smoking, eating sugar, all that stuff. And the sixth house also tells us about our service, how we are in service to others. So it often tells us about our employment or our day-to-day work environment. So for a Capricorn, you're taking yourself seriously, you're getting down to business, you're surviving, and when it comes to your daily habits, you have that characterized by this chatty, light, fun energy of Gemini. To me, what I think about when I think about this and Capricorn is, first of all, Capricorn's uh, facility and ease with making meaning in a work environment um, with influencing people in a work environment. That is one of the most resonant parts of this Gemini sixth house to me. And another thing I think of is the relationship to habit where it's very interesting and a lot of meaning is derived from how the Capricorn sets up their day-to-day life and what they do on a day-to-day basis. For Capricorn, The upcoming Venus retrograde is going to be creating a focus on your daily habits and on your work environment. So you're going to get a big review in that part of your life. And the eclipse cycle that opens up in June is going to bring attention to your daily habits, your work environment, your service in your sixth house, and then also to your 12th house, which is the karmic past and the connection to the collective. These are difficult houses to articulate, and this eclipse cycle is probably going to affect you, Capricorn, in ways that are also kind of hard for you to articulate. I would expect that your day-to-day reality 
in terms of where you work and how your day is set up is going to change during this time. But the specifics may be a little fuzzy because we're talking about the 6th and the 12th houses. If you're a Sagittarius or a Sagittarius rising, Gemini characterizes your 7th house of intimate partnerships and one-to-one relationships. This means that on the Sagittarius-Gemini polarity, you identify more with the truth-seeking, adventurous, exploring impulses of Sagittarius, and you tend to identify less with the communicative, meaning-making qualities of Gemini, the entertainer, the jokester kind of stuff. But you contain both of those in a very deep way. And so you tend to find those qualities you identify with less, the entertainment stuff, in your close relationships and your intimate partnerships. In my experience, um, Sagittarius's and Gemini's really get each other, even though they're motivated by really different things. And if you're a Sagittarius or a Sagittarius rising, you probably like Gemini's. You may be one of the people who's like, I don't know, they're really fun. I really like them. And that's why they show up in your intimate partnerships. Anyway, as we go into this Venus retrograde in Gemini, it's going to be happening in your house of intimate partnerships. So that's a really big deal. It's Venus who has to do with our sense of pleasure and our love natures. And then she's retrograding through your house of partnerships. So this is going to be initiating a really big shift, a really big review in how you relate to the people you're closest to. Then as the eclipse cycle starts on June 5th, and we have the Sagittarius lunar eclipse, you're going to be having both the house of your intimate partnerships and the house of your identity being affected by that eclipse cycle. And so like Gemini risings, you're going to be experiencing these shifts in the way you identify and the people, the way that you are close to people, the people you are close to um, over the next several years. That's what this eclipse cycle is initiating for you. But unlike Gemini risings, the initiating factor is going to be happening in your house of partnerships. And then the eclipse cycle will start to unroll parts of your identity. Whereas for Gemini, it's flipped around. It's the reverse. If you're a Scorpio or a Scorpio rising, Gemini characterizes your eighth house of birth, death, and transformation. So having the eighth house, the place where we die to old selves and are reborn into a new self, characterized by Gemini, the sign of making meaning, for me, helps me to understand the Scorpio character in a much deeper way because the sense of meaning is emerging in birth, death, and transformation. We know that those are really, really critical and important concepts to Scorpio. The stuff we've talked about when it comes to Gemini in this episode, the way that making meaning always has to happen kind of sideways and we're always abstracting meaning to get to the truth of something. That is a very deep and spiritual subject, and it gets applied for Scorpio to the part of life 
where we die and are reborn. I hope this is making some kind of sense to you. I know it's abstract, but the eighth house is, in fact, abstract. As the Venus retrograde comes in, in May, um, you're going to be experiencing this review of how you are changing or how you have changed and how you tend to change and how you go through these processes of change. If I had to guess how that would look for Scorpios initially, I would guess that in the beginning of this shift, there's going to be a lot of sort of pain and discomfort and that that will lead to some kind of understanding of how the way that you experience transformation needs to change and shift. How you grieve, for example, how you deal with difficult feelings is going to come under review. And that initial review is then going to contribute to an eclipse cycle in which you're thinking about those subjects and then you're also looking at how you value yourself and how you experience your sense of self-worth in the second house, which is Sagittarius for you. Those two subject areas, how you change and are transformed and how you experience your sense of self-worth are going to be the big focus for this next eclipse cycle in Gemini and Sagittarius for Scorpio. If you're a Libra or Libra rising, Gemini characterizes your ninth house, which is the house of growth and expansion and adventure and um, particularly of spiritual development. It's where we learn the truth, basically, and incorporate new truths. With the ninth house being characterized by Gemini for a Libra or Libra rising, the way that Libra grows, experiences growth, encounters like big T truth is by playing with meaning and by engaging with other people around meaning, by communicating and transmitting information with people. It's social relationships and the sharing of information that really helps Libra to grow and to find its highest truth. For Libra and Libra rising, the Venus retrograde in Gemini also carries a little extra importance because you're a Venus-ruled sign. So when Venus retrogrades, that has extra importance for you. It is especially relevant to you. And so as Venus retrogrades through your ninth house starting in May and going through June, you're going to be experiencing this review not only of how you experience those social relationships and those uh interactions with others and that tendency to make meaning there, but also of how you grow and experience your highest truth in those social relationships. So a review is initiated in that search for meaning that you encounter socially. When we get to the Sagittarius-Gemini eclipse cycle that starts on June 5th, not only will that part of you that searches for higher meaning in social relationship and communication be experiencing transformations, but also your day-to-day communication with other people and the way you interact with people and move around on a day-to-day basis, that's going to be affected as well. 
So I said this in the area section, these are cadent houses. They're not always the most visible parts of life to us, but because of the current situation with quarantine, this might end up being a little more prominent and obvious than it normally would be uh, having an eclipse in the third and ninth houses. So for Libra and Libra rising, the big shifts will be occurring in the way that we adventure and travel and experience growth, which for Libra is largely social, and in our day-to-day communication and the way we are communicating with people on a daily basis. If you're a Virgo or Virgo rising, Gemini characterizes your 10th house, which is the house of your reputation and your career. For Virgo, this can look like being known for your ability to communicate meaning. It can often mean that you're a teacher of some kind. Virgo being a teacher kind of comes from this Gemini 10th house uh, characterization. Um, I know a lot of Virgo risings who are literal teachers, but Virgo risings tend to be teachers in one way or another, even if it's not um, literally what they're doing to make money. They you know, have reputations as being people who know how to tell you how to do stuff, right? Who know how to communicate meaning effectively and well. Virgo is the other Mercury-ruled sign. So meaning is really uh, something that Virgo also deeply interacts with. And Virgo can actually be very entertaining. I don't think we give our Virgos enough credit for the way that they can keep us entertained with what they're telling us. They're they're good at it. So for Virgo and Virgo rising, the upcoming Venus retrograde that's happening in Gemini, starting in May, is setting off the house of career and what you are known for. This means that a big review is happening in your reputation and the way that you kind of express yourself and fruit into the world. Your personality (laughs) fruits. (laughs) Sorry. Speaking of metaphor, sometimes I get so absorbed in it that I don't communicate clearly at all. But in the 10th house, I'm always thinking about fruit because I tend to think of the fourth house, which is the house that is opposite the 10th house as the roots of a tree. And then the 10th house are where the tree is fruiting. So basically your fruit, the fruits of who you are in the world, it's coming up for review. You're having this uh, period of time where you're going to be thinking about and reviewing how you show up in the world. And then when we get to the eclipse cycle that's starting on June 5th, You're going to be starting from that place of how you're showing up in the world, but then you're also going to start having changes set off in the way you relate to your roots and your origins in that Sagittarius house. And so those are the two areas that are going to be seeing a lot of changes uh, as you move through this eclipse cycle, your career and your relationship to where you come from. If you're a Leo or Leo rising, Gemini characterizes your 11th house. This is your house of your social circle and your community. So a Gemini 11th house 
both means that you might find a lot of Gemini energy in your social circle and your community, a lot of entertaining, fun, word-savvy folks <laughs> um, in your social circle. And it also means that your own sense of meaning emerges in the way you show up in a community, the way you are uh, fitting into a social circle, basically. So for Leo, as the Venus retrograde comes up in Gemini, there's going to be a review initiated of how you show up in your social circle and community. And there might be some kind of consideration you need to make of the the people you're hanging out with, the people you are in community with. I don't mean that as a bad thing. It really could be um, just considering how you're showing up to community could be a, a big part of this. But there might be some real changes initiated in your social circle uh, as a result of this Venus retrograde and also the eclipse cycle. When the eclipse cycle hits uh, June 5th, it will also set off your house of creativity and uh, self-expression. And so the eclipses of the next several years for Leo are affecting both the way you participate in community, that's where you're starting from, is some kind of review or shift in the type of social circle, type of community you are a part of, and then that will extend into your self-expression as we enter the eclipse cycle, and self-expression and community end up being the major themes of the next few years and the changes that are unfolding for Leo. Finally, if you are a Cancer or Cancer rising, Gemini characterizes your 12th house. This is the house of the unseen, the karmic past, and the connection to the collective unconscious. The sign that characterizes our 12th house is often a sign that gives us some trouble that we might have a little difficulty connecting to and understanding deeply. And when transits occur in this house, it can be really uncomfortable because we can't quite grasp exactly what is happening, but it is very important. So I've talked about this with the 12th house many times. Uh, what happens in the 12th house is kind of like our code being rewritten. If you think of us as computer programs, these are the ones and zeros that just make up what we actually see and what we interact with once we get to our first house. And so when changes happen in our 12th house, it's like we are being reprogrammed at an unconscious level. And then we end up seeing that play out later once whatever it is moves into our first house then we can see it and it's visible so as the venus retrograde comes up in your 12th house there's going to be a kind of review and um emphasis being placed on these unconscious aspects of you this meaning making function that you don't always grasp thoroughly and I don't know how to describe what that's going to be like. I don't know how to describe 12th house transits to people ever. But like 
if you're feeling a little unsettled and strange and like stuff is happening, but you can't quite explain what it is, that's very normal for a 12th house transit, which is what you're going to be experiencing in May and June. Once the eclipse cycle starts on June 5th, that's going to be hitting not only your 12th house of the unseen and the collective unconscious and all that stuff, but also your sixth house of your daily habits and your sense of service, which is characterized by Sagittarius. We'll talk about that more in the next episode. That part of these shifts is going to be a little bit easier for you to grasp and see. You should see some kind of changes starting to occur as a result of this eclipse cycle in your day-to-day work environment and in the way you show up in service to others, whether that's your employment or other ways you might find yourself of service. Um, So that'll be a little more visible, a little more easy to understand, but the place where that shift starts for you in May is going to be in this kind of unconscious place where it's hard to thoroughly grasp exactly what is happening. And that's it for our personalized sign readings. My aim with this episode was to help us not just understand Gemini as a set of personality traits, but to connect to the power and the wisdom of the sign, because the astrology of the moment is telling us we can't really afford to be flippant about Gemini as we so love to be. We need to understand what it has to teach us, especially right now. We talked about how Mercury helps us to make meaning and that we make meaning not by understanding what is real, which we're not really equipped to do, but through abstraction and metaphor, relating one thing to another. We talked about the fact that meaning is constructed and that we have choices about how we construct it and we can aim for the truth and do our best to get to communicating something that is true Or we can aim really far away from the truth and we can use Gemini's capacity to construct meaning and entertain people with narrative uh, to really our own ends that don't have anything to do with what is good for the collective. We have choices. We can go one way, we can go the other. At one point, I was talking about my own Sagittarius South Node and my Gemini North Node, and I said... If nobody listens to me, does it matter if I'm saying anything in the first place? And as I think about the fact that the world's North Node is shifting to Gemini and that the whole world is going to be pushed into this place of communicating with intention, I'm thinking about my impression of, in the United States, the left's tendency to expect people to just pick up on the fact that we are right and to not really put any uh, juice into how we present what we believe to be the truth. I think I'm worrying about that. I'm seeing the tendency to want to be understood just because you believe you're right as um, a very Sagittarian thing that we are going to have to let go of Um, as a matter of really grave importance in the next few years. 
the North Node shifting to Gemini is telling us, first of all, to lighten up and not to take ourselves so seriously, but also to care a lot whether we're making sense and connecting to another person. I think it's just so appropriate that this episode has been the absolute most difficult episode for me to know whether I was making sense in, and (laughs) it's about making sense. (laughs) But I do hope you got something out of it (laughs) and some uh, deeper understanding of how Mercury works in our lives and how Gemini works in our lives. And that's it for this week. Thank you so very much for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed this. It would help me so much as I'm getting this started. You can find show notes on my website at 8th.house. That's numeral 8, T-H dot H-O-U-S-E. I hope you're well. This week has been a weird one for me. I hope it's been a little less weird for you. But if it has been weird for you, hang in there. All we got to do is keep going right now. That's it. I will talk to you next week. Bye.